0: where we chat with special guests, industry leaders, and tribal scale employees to have an authentic but informal conversation on a variety of relevant tech and innovation topics. I'm Heather, Chief of Staff at tribal Scale, and I'm back with Monique, Chief Clinical Director and Founder of Inward Strong. You can check out our previous episode where we spoke with Monique about her journey to becoming Chief Experience Officer, Chief Clinical Director, and Co-Founder of Inward Strong and the Mental Health and COVID-19 Pandemic. Today, we're continuing the conversation. Uh, next question here is around empathy. Um, it's interesting. I was I was chatting with a friend of mine recently who's working at a new company and they're going through a massive change management experience, sort of like COVID work changes plus acquisition cha- changes, and it's um, you know been a very stressful time for a lot of people that work there. And they have a few sort of more old school leaders. So, you know, I think there's a lot of awareness growing among employees about what types of wellness programs and wellness support and training are available. That's your personal life. You know, I'm you know, it out yourself, like we don't need all this training and stuff, like just that sort of more maybe old school for lack of a better term uh, mentality. Curious, you know, with your expertise and what is your perspective on why empathy is one of the most important skills to have as a leader?
1: Well, one of the things I would say with any leader, um, it's recognizing that if we don't take care of corporate culture, it's going to impact the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And pre- Pre-COVID, the cost of actually not addressing these sorts of things was about 14% of net annual profit loss. And it's now obviously higher because of burnout, presenteeism, all of that stuff, right? So when you think of empathy and why that's an important skill in a leader, I'd like to start off by what exactly is empathy? Empathy is about understanding, compassion, responsiveness, openness, sensitivity. It's about being kind, concerned, it's about awareness and it's tuning into your team, your people, your employees, um, so that you have a culture that will thrive and foster, first of all, a safe emotional, mental uh, environment to thrive. Um, Because again, if that's happening, we get increased productivity, we get increased creativity and innovation. So it's in the best interest of a leader to be empathetic, because if we're empathetic, we're monitoring stress levels. We're ensuring a healthy and consistent leadership style, and we're building corporate community, fostering connection, collaboration, and balanced expectations. Um, Again, that encouraging, positive environment. What what does every leader want? (laughs) Bottom line, they want to make money. Well, the best way to do it when you are dealing with human beings is to ensure that the environment is conducive to that. And so empathy is key. Makes complete sense for sure. I'm curious, you know, kind of building on that a little bit,
0: uh, how, what kind of steps do you think companies can take to either build that workplace wellness into their culture? And especially when we're talking about remote, which so many of us are now, where you don't get to, you know, just top one on the shoulder. Hey, let's grab a coffee. You seem like you're feeling down. Let's go for a walk and chat about it. Um, it's a lot di- more difficult, you know, we find to have those sort of collision moments. So, um, you know, what's your perspective on, and what are you telling companies these days to uh, do in order to build workplace wellness into their culture, other, obviously, than getting in words wrong?
1: Right. So the the first place that I I will say it starts, it starts with you. Okay. Regardless of your position, um, you can have influence and modeling healthy wellness management is contagious. Um, Leaders uh, building healthy relationships with employees, not contrived ones, it's important to be authentic. And it's not about everyone running around sharing their last, you know, most secret, uh, you know, feelings and thoughts. However, it's important to be transparent and authentic um, so that we move away. It helps us to move away from the them-us mentality, you-me, how can I help these people? Uh, hear, I hear that so often. I am like, well, maybe if you shifted the language to how can we ensure that we are all you know, um, looking after ourselves, right away, we're, we've removed the barrier, we've removed the stigma because we've normalized these issues of um, you know, mental health. And so if, if we're proactive, then we're engaging in prevention rather than being reactive where we're trying to cure something. Um, and you know, if I may, I, I wanna kind of touch a little bit on, yeah. on I touch on burnout, but I, I wanna kind of sit in it a little bit if that's all right. Of course. Um, you know, burnout um, is, is something that is prolonged and sustained and has a severe impact. Now, if we're proactive, in our work environments, then we don't end up with this, with, the, with us getting to burnout. So there's an individual role, but there's also a corporate role, which I'll unpack a little later. Uh, but stigma is still high, especially amongst you know, certain fields. And that's a huge challenge. However, being, having proactive measures enables uh, a company, an individual to uh, minimize um, the impact of stress. We end up managing the stress rather than the stress managing us. And because we only have control over ourselves in the environment that we find ourselves in, right? So it's it's knowing that we need to look at the personal uh, level, the organizational level, and the corporate culture, um, so that we are fostering an environment that allows um, uh, allows wellness in that in that culture. So some key things, um, just five key points around that, which which does actually, believe it or not, overlap into the virtual, you know, remote culture. Um, Burnout happens when, for example, a person's values don't align. So we need meaning in whatever we're doing. Um, We need to have some sense of of it matters to me. Where or how do I gain a sense of meaning from my role is really important. Um, The second one is connection. So in that context, who are my supports? If we're not working with a team, and this this can be the remote or or in real time, where are we deriving our connections from as a Mm -hmm. manager? You know, is there a way to manage team relationships and interactions? Is there a way to build culture? A, a third is fairness. What does fairness look like to me as the individual? And does it exist in my workplace? So as managers, it's important to kind of note, okay, what does that look like in this, in this environment? What is said versus what is experienced? So if we think about all of the Different pieces of ourselves, whether it's gender, um, you know, color, orientation. What does that all look like? Are is is the environment fair? Workload, okay. With all of us transferring over to uh, transitioning over to at home for a while, with you know back and forth. Um, what does the workload look like? People are starting to work crazy hours um, because they're at home. And um, however. Uh, it's, it's key to ask, can I, or how can I you know, create conditions that enable me or my team to have a balanced workload? Um, expectations around hours, working from home. Um, I mean, people were talking about getting emails in the middle of the night and late, late, late on, on the weekends and the, the boundaries get blurred. So workload is really key to assess. Finally, autonomy. What do I have influence or control over? Is there, or where is there flexibility in how or where I work? If someone's micromanaging me, a um, person does not feel energized. Um, there's that healthy balance. Do I have opportunity to share my ideas, expectations? What am I able to do? Okay. So those are five key areas that I would say definitely want to look at um, in terms of helping you know, build workplace wellness um, in the culture. And, um, if I move out, if, if you want to jump in, cause I know I'm talking quite a bit, I'm going to go to remote. No, keep going. <laughs> so if we're talking about remote culture, uh, specifically with that, what I would simply say is it's important to have check-ins and, you know, everyone was exhausted and still there's exhaustion, constantly looking at a screen. I've never looked at a screen more in my life. And I, I have to wear, I have to actually wear glasses now because mm-hmm. my eyeballs are just killing me and, so what's so important with virtual or remote culture is it's important to have check-ins. You're not asking for someone's life stories. However, it's important to listen. Listen to what people are sharing when you say, hey, how's it going? And it can be done in such a non-intrusive way. If you, if you hear folks say, oh, oh, you may see my kid run through or, oh my goodness, it was such a long night. My partner's sick or one of the kids was sick or I've been working from home alone for an entire week. um, You're hearing things. Um, You might hear overwhelm, loneliness, stress, just from those simple statements. So one of the real key things is to listen. There's a great quote that simply says this, being listened to is so close to being loved, most people cannot tell the difference. And so active listening rather than just hearing words it makes a huge difference. Um, there's a three-step um, kind of towards wellness um, that um, I'm borrowing from um, actually one of Paul's presentations, but I, I love it because it's basically three steps towards wellness, aware, care, share. So there's aware, aware, care, share from an individual and an organizational stance. So when you're thinking virtually, this, this applies um, as well as in, in person. So under aware, when you look at the individual, it's, you know, something is going on. You might see the person's withdrawn or down. Their performance might be a concern. It, it's important to notice mm-hmm. and document. Is there a safety concern? Remove the risk. Awareness from an organizational sense. Aware that you know that stuff is going on, i.e. on a, on a bigger scheme of things, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of losses, change, transition, isolation. Be aware of the fact on an organizational sense that beats people up. There is no separation from if you're a human being and you've got stuff going on at home. Guess what? It's going to affect you at work. Now, it's not, you know, the employer's job to say, okay, sit down and let me counsel you. But it's important to be aware that there's a whole lot of crap hitting the fan everywhere. So Mm -hmm. let's make sure we've got something in place. The second is care. So it it ties in with what I shared earlier, show that you support them, that you're there for them. And you don't wanna put anyone on the spot. Again, it moves us away from that um, us them mentality by normalizing our own journey of taking care of ourselves. You know, I exercise, I try to eat well, I do my my mindfulness um, journey, or I do my inward strong tips and tools. It's important to kind of normalize what we do uh, from an organizational stance, have a culture of caring. I I can't emphasize the importance of corporate culture that makes or breaks, um, again, the bottom line and um, staff. Like You'll have people turning over a lot Mm -hmm. uh, based on corporate culture because people can only uh, stand so much. How supportive are your peers and management? What what does workplace morale look like? Is there openness to address whatever's going on? Um, Putting people first, Um, Helps the bottom line. Show you care about their well-being. So that's the care portion. And then share. I think this is probably a bit more obvious. Um, Share your own personal story if you're comfortable. Um, This is powerful and it's about modeling and normalizing. Um, Share resources that are available. Um, There's a variety of options. One size does not fit all. Um, And sharing ones that are barrier-free, as barrier-free as possible. So that's the individual level from an organizational stance. It's basically the same thing. Um, You know, it's kind of like a top-down issue. If the leadership models it, people will kind of go, oh, okay, normalize, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Share and market, That's huge, market the resources. Um, I don't know how many times I've heard um, individuals share that uh, um, they didn't know that they had Uh, said resources, because um, it just wasn't shared, or they had to go to HR to get them. And the truth is, I don't want to go to HR, I don't want anybody to know what my problem is. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's important to get that marketing messaging out from an organizational corporate level. And it's important um, just to toot our own horns to its need to deliver anonymous, convenient, immediate, confidential 24/7 resources, uh, because it breaks through that shame barrier. I don't have any shame. I I don't have to tell you. I can share with you that I'm getting some helpful resources to enable me to to get where I need to go. Um, A little helpful little uh, notice. You know, the house is burning. Education and resources are no longer a nice to have. It's actually a must have at this point. That yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a. Great answer. I'm taking notes over here. I've learned so much. Uh, it's d- d- definitely uh, very interesting. It's I, I do actually see sometimes our HR team trying to do this stuff. We do regular check-ins with the team and we do, you know, every month in our town hall, our all hands, we're sharing, we're talking about inward strong. They do special sessions once a quarter to remind people what the benefits have. I agree. I, it's amazing to me how many people don't realize or forget what they have. And you're right. When you don't, when you have an issue, whether it's physical health, mental health, you don't always want to be, you know, looping someone else in. So I think That proactivity is definitely something that we try to to do. And I I think I I see good positive results from that. So interesting to hear Mm -hmm. that kind of validation from you as well. Yeah, that's Um, great. Yeah. So one more last question I have here is just around, you know, you guys are entrepreneurs. We talk to entrepreneurs all the time at Tribal Scale. And I think, you know, when you're starting a company, you're running your company, it's your baby. You're thinking about it when you're not doing it. You're doing it more often than you probably should be if it was a regular job. You know what kind of advice do you guys give to entrepreneurs to sort of follow your advice generally that Edward Strong preaches around, um, you know, setting boundaries and taking care of your mental health and and really um, approaching culture building and company building with this sort of mind for mental wellness. How do you, how do you guys do that as entrepreneurs? And especially as a small team, I know it can be difficult, but also, you know, how do you maybe counsel or what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs who maybe feel pressured to, you know, not step out of hustle culture and, you know, don't get any sleep because you've got to, you know, do that one last pitch dive.
1: Yeah. Um, great question. What we, what, what we do, I think foundationally and, um, of in alignment with our corporate values is we, we try to foster a a culture of gratitude. And so we'll start um, our, our team meetings that way, you know, what are you most grateful for? Very simple question, but it, it helps, it helps center and remind us that, you know, even in the worst of worst, whatever that might be, there's something to be grateful for. And maybe it's simply, I'm grateful that we're all here. <laughs> I'm grateful that I can breathe, but there's always something to be grateful for. So practicing that in, as a as a, a corporate culture, the other thing that we we always encourage all of our team to engage in is things outside of the, that that uh, outside of the the organization, so that you're actually doing things to take care of you. Um, you know whether it's you know physical exercise or time with family, uh, turning off um, going offline, um, in the evenings at certain times. I mean, there are certainly times when it's crunch time and, you know, Oh my goodness, I've got all these things to do. Um, but I, I personally cannot, uh, you know, stay up until 10 o'clock at night and be productive. Um, I, I need to be asleep or if I go too late in the night, then my mind's awake all night. Um, just ruminating. So just being aware of yourself and what your capacity is, setting healthy boundaries and being consistent with that makes a huge difference. And so when I think of like other organizations, other, you know, entrepreneurs, startups, all of that, the, there's such pressure to, and, and it's, it's a, it's a really, I'm understanding more a deeply ingrained culture that you just don't sleep and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. However, um, if, if you don't take a break, you break and sleep is key. If we aren't sleeping well, over time, guess what? It's hard to focus. We are more apt to experience, um, overwhelm emotionally, depression, anxiety. Also, it's harder to cope. So how do you pitch when you're sleep deprived? Mm-hmm. Well, you might be pitching. However, it's not going to, it's not necessarily going to be your best work because you're exhausted, um, because that's life, but you're also exhausted and depleted because you haven't been sleeping well. You probably haven't been eating well. Your body's not moving. So there's no way for the body to release the stress that's built up in there. And the life of, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or startup is it's getting a lot of rejection, a lot of no's, um, pushing, basically pushing a rope uphill. And, um, you know, if you're not taking care of you and recognizing, what do I have control of? I have control of me. So I can either allow the stress to manage me or I can manage the stress. That is the choice that we have. And if we succumb to the pressure of having to go, 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 then what's going to happen is we're going to hit a wall. And the interesting thing, going back to burnout, is burnout is different than stress. With stress you put a little gas in the tank and you have energy to keep going with burnout. You put gas in the tank, but there's a, there's a hole. So it just goes out Mm -hmm. and, more often than not you do not get recharged in fact you don't even have the energy to go back to whatever it was you were doing and many will be off and that's where you get people on long uh, leaves of absence because Mm -hmm. they can't do it and they're burnt out unable to cope and sometimes they'll totally switch careers or just abandon whatever it is so what i would say is yeah you want to get that done and you want to you want to you know work as hard as you can and you also want to make sure you schedule yourself in on that uh, so that you're taking care of yourself, not once a month, but every day you want to check in mm-hmm. to make sure you're, you're exercising self-care. Yeah, that's great
0: advice. Thank you. Uh, so those were, I think, all the questions, Where I think we're coming to a close here, unless there's any final thoughts or ideas you wanted to share?
1: I think that the, you know, that, I think that is the, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I I guess I can't emphasize enough the importance of maintaining a level of emotional balance by taking care of yourself. Um, A huge barrier to any one of us, uh, emotional well-being, our mental fitness, or our mental health, or even, uh, you know, because it, yeah, looking after ourselves is the barrier of stigma and shame. And oftentimes what happens, is if we don't, then we resort to using to sue Mm by whether it's, you know, alcohol, drugs, gambling, gaming, um, sex, like there's all kinds of things that we can delve into to try to make ourselves um, not feel the stress or the anxiety or the pain. Mm -hmm. And when you think about juggling, I mean, for myself personally, I have my home, I have Inward Strong, I actually still maintain a private practice. I also have my my social aspects, my friends, my spiritual life, all of these different pieces that make up who I am. And it's hard to kind of do all of them, but if we don't allow ourselves to acknowledge when we need to recharge and refresh in these areas, it Mm -hmm. becomes too imbalanced, and that's when we do crash and burn. And because we're all affected, we can move to destigmatizing this whole area of mental health and move away from unhealthy behaviors um, addictive pattern of behaviors that are also intrinsically a part of the landscape, mm-hmm. um, and uh, by just just pausing and checking in and accessing resources proactively rather than preventively.
0: Beautiful final words. Great advice, to live by. Thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you, Monique. This has been a very interesting conversation. Uh, you can check out this podcast and more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our YouTube. And Monique, again, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. And this has also been, this has been First Name Basis Remote Edition. So thank you everyone.